Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for what tonight means. We thank you uh, that we look forward to celebrating your arrival, uh, that Christ was born on Christmas morning. And we thank you for that. We thank you for that gift. May we celebrate and have joy in that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here's the pop quiz. Who has a favorite Christmas movie? Go for it. What is it? Elf. Elf. Christmas Story. It's a Wonderful Life. Holiday Inn. Oh, yeah. That, that's what we said. Holiday Inn. Home Alone from my son. Anybody in this section? You're quiet. Favorite movie? Nothing. Okay, not a movie watching crew. Okay. Well, we have a list of movies that we have to watch every year, and by far my most favorite one that we get to watch is the one with Chevy Chase in Christmas Vacation. Are we good with that one? I've, oh, come on now. It's Christmas, Allie Cole. I love it. I love the awkwardness. It I, doesn't matter how many times we've seen it, we always laugh. And the whole movie is about things that don't go as planned. Have you realized that? First of all, there's no axe for the tree. How are they going to cut this tree down, Dad? And then they're get, coming home and they realize this won't fit in the yard because it's going in the room, Russ. And it just goes down the line. Everything that doesn't belong happens in that movie. Your cousin shows up with his RV in the lawn. The dinner deflates as soon as you start to cut it. The bonus didn't make it on time, but the Jelly of the Month Club is the gift that keeps on giving. All of these things are just what makes the movie so great. These interruptions make the movie funny. And as I think about it, the interruptions to our expectations and everything that goes into that movie is extremely fitting for our lives. Because our lives, if you think about it, are a constant rotation of interruptions. They stir our fears, they, they steal our sleep, they cause us to question, uh, and they even sometimes those interruptions will take you away from God. Christmas, if you think about it, and the story of Christmas, is ripe for interruptions. From the very beginning, it was an interruption. I don't know of anybody who would plan the birth of their first child like Mary did. I don't think any full-term pregnant woman would want to ride anywhere, let alone on a donkey across the country. It just doesn't happen, right? You don't want to do that. That's an interruption. I don't know of anyone who would pick a stable to have a baby in. There's another interruption. Nothing goes like Mary would have wanted it to go. Nothing goes as she would have, as she would have planned. But the interruption that did happen was worth it. God was born into the world that night, wrapped in a towel, placed in a manger, in the middle of an interruption to that world. Amidst the chaos that was going on with the census that was happening in that time, amidst the confusion, amidst the interruptions over how Mary wanted to have this baby being born, Jesus still came. Of, and of all the stories, that, that all the Gospels that capture the story of Jesus being born, I don't think any one of them captures the interruption quite like Matthew did. If you've ever been in Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, you can check it out on your own sometime, but it starts with a genealogy. The genealogies are where you see name after name after name, and if you're like everyone else, you see the names and you go, yeah, let's skip past this. Why do I need to know this? But before he goes into any detail about Jesus, he tells us everywhere what Jesus came from. So he begins with Abraham, and we're going to go through them all. I'll tell you all about them, right? We don't have anything else to do tonight. Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had Judah and his brothers. Had, and then Judah had Perez. 
uh, and then Tamar, and then Hirazan, and then Ram. And then Salmon, I told you I was going to go through all through them, right? Had, and Rahab had Boaz, and Boaz married Ruth. And then they had Obed, and Obed had Jesse. And Jesse had a son named David who fought a giant and became king. David had a son named Solomon. Solomon had a son named Rehoboam. Abijah was, was one of Rehoboam's son. Then there was Asa. And then there was Jehoshaphat, which is a great name for your dog when it comes around. And on and on. They had Zadok, they had Achim, they had Eliad, and there go the lights, Eleazar. Some of these names weren't great people. If you look at them and you study them, some of these names, in fact, shouldn't even be there if you look at their stories. But in a twisted, twisted way, the twisted family tree of Jesus spells out something of absolute chaos. However, chaos can't keep Christ out of this world. The Messiah was still born, not because of his ancestors, but despite of, in spite of them. Tamar was abandoned. Ruth was an immigrant. Rahab was a harlot. David was an adulterer. Solomon was a philanderer. The family tree of Jesus is gnarled and crooked, filled with godless and bloodthirsty leaders. Yet God did something with all of those people. That, and through that family, Jesus came. Hence, the triumphant conclusion of Matthew's genealogy says this, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus, who is called Messiah. It starts off with very sketchy names and bad news, but out of those interruptions comes the best news. Christ came. In spite of sin and scandal, Christ came. In spite of racism and sexism, Christ came. Though the people forgot who God was and went on exile, Christ came. In spite of and out of the pandemonium and chaos and interruptions, Christ came. The surprise pregnancy, the sudden census, the long road from Nazareth to Bethlehem, the no vacancy signs, everything unpleasant and difficult, yet it resulted in the world's greatest miracle. In Luke 2, 7, it says this, And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Everything before that very moment happened so this moment could happen, to, can take place. Was the first Christmas different from Mary, than what Mary planned? Absolutely. But it turned out better than she could have ever dreamed. God used struggles, God used tensions, God used interruptions to accomplish his will. And I think we need that reminder today more than ever. In a world of high stress, sleepless nights, ever-changing variants, mandates, political unrest, we need the same reminder that Mary and Joseph needed that night. That this little one in the manger, the one who can barely put his hand around their fingers, was holding also the middle, was holding all of their hope in the middle of their, their chaos and interruptions. This little one, as Colossians says this, this little one, his little hands held everything together. Colossians says, for everything, absolutely everything, above, below, visible, invisible, rank after rank of angels, everything got started from and in him, and it finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of these things came into existence and holds all of it together right up until this moment. That little one in the manger was holding all of their interruptions, all of their chaos, holding it together. When the interruptions mount up, 
he's still holding them. And when it feels like we can't keep up and we can't hold on, he does. We can hope and have hope in a God who has the reputation of turning our interruptions into something valuable and amazing being born in our midst. We're going to sing a little bit more, and then we'll come up again, and we'll do this. So Dylan, why don't you lead us in the next song? Would you stand with me? There's a light that burns in the darkness. There is a light that burns in the darkness. There is a hope that washes the fear away. There is a peace that settles around us. It is your love that sets our hearts ablaze. Sing that again. There is a light. There is a light that burns in the darkness. There is a hope that washes the fear away. There is a peace that settles around us. Whoa. It is your love that sets our hearts ablaze. Father, we're on our knees with every heartbeat. We bring you this offering. Lord, come and fill this place. And Father, we're crying out. Spirit, we need you now. Glorious love surrounds us. Lord, come and the king that reigns in victory. There is a mercy strong enough to save. We feel it rising up from the ashes. There is a love that overcame the grave. a love that overcame the grave. And Father, we're on our knees, I will worship you.
And the glory of the Lord shone round, around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising them, saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them, they had gone into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and, and see what this thing is that had happened, which, was, which, which the Lord has told us about. Some things you need to see with your own eyes, Right? Some things you have to witness yourself. A, a while back, like 12 years ago, I was invited to go to the Rose Bowl down in Pasadena and see this little tiny garage band called U2. Have you ever heard of them? Yeah, I'm not the biggest U2 fan. 
Okay, I'll confess that. You can hate me for that. But I, 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 they're just not my favorite type of music. I know that they're a great band. I know that they're iconic. And so when my buddy said, hey, I scored these two tickets that were in the, the little crease right in front of the stage, and they're free, and we got like VIP treatment, he run them from a radio show. And like he was the eighth caller, and he got the tickets. And he says, do you want to go? And I was like, I think I should. Because I didn't want to have to go on in life saying, oh, yeah, I could have seen you two, uh, but I chose to, you know, do something else that night. No, I couldn't miss out on this, and, and so I went. I didn't want to, and, and it turned out that this was, the, this was the concert that they were going to film their DVD for that tour on. And I didn't want to sit back years later watching that DVD going, I wish I would have gone. I wish I could have been there. Some things that you had to see from your, for your own, for yourself. And I love that last line that the shepherds say, hey, we got to go see this. We have to go pay attention to this. They had to go see it. They didn't want to miss it. For them, it wasn't enough to see the angels. For them, it wasn't enough that the angels broke through the night sky with this heavenly flash mob of a song. That wasn't enough. That was just the beginning. It wasn't the blanket announcement, but it was an invitation for them to come experience something that they didn't ever want to miss out on. And can you imagine this? If they would have said, nah, we're going to stay here. These sheep are kind of restless, and we're going to watch them for the rest of the night. You kidding? This was their chance. I know that they would have kicked themselves, because now when Jesus grows older and does all of his stuff, they can say, we knew him before he was famous. We saw him in the manger. We've been following him since he started. All of you are latecomers. Because in the manger that night, they had to go see him because everything that the angel told them was everything that they were looking for. The angel said this, peace had come. Peace was presence. And peace was something that they only dreamt of. Peace in that world, seem, world seems messy. And that, that peace was a promise that, that inside the messiness, something better was coming. Peace that a promise was being kept by God. Peace is knowing that the brokenness that they were experiencing, the brokenness that they were seeing in their lives, the brokenness that they saw in themselves was being mended. Peace that life won't always be like it was. This is what this meant. Peace that comes from the assurance that there is a better day. Peace that doesn't make any sense given what's going on in their world. An occupying army, injustices on every street corner, and yet this angel says to them, there's peace. And peace was here, not just peace, but this peace led to something else. This peace led to joy, and joy is a lot different than happiness. Happiness fades in and out like a clothing trend. Happiness is dependent on what's going on in your favor, your team winning, or your favorite meal being cooked just right. But joy which is what was promised from this peace, joy is lasting. Joy sticks around when happiness fades. And all of this was right at their fingertips. They can go and experience it. And all they had to do was get on their feet and go look inside this manger. All of it was right there in a town just over the next hill. They needed to see this with their own eyes, and they weren't the only one who needed to see this. The whole world was searching for peace. 
There was a man who's mentioned later in this chapter, and his name's Simeon. And Simeon, it says, spent his whole life waiting to see the Messiah. In fact, God had promised him, Simeon says, the Holy Spirit had promised that he wouldn't die until he saw the Messiah. And somehow, when Mary walked into the temple on that eighth day to confirm her son Jesus, somehow he knew, as soon as he saw the clump of baby in Mary's arms, that this was God in the flesh, and he would get to see it. And look what he said. He says this, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in what? Peace. The peace that he was looking for came from seeing Jesus with his own eyes. A couple months later, the wise men were in the same boat. The star that they saw in the sky wasn't good enough that they can just sit there in their home in East Arabia and go, hey, look, a new star. Okay, let's go back to bed. No, this star meant something was happening. And they couldn't just stay silent and they couldn't just stay still. They had to go see what caused this star. They wanted to meet this new light of the world. They had to see with their own eyes. And the crazy part is, each one of them found exactly what they were looking for. They succeeded in finding peace. And it was the peace that they were promised. Even more amazing, as one author points out, was the willingness of Jesus to be seen by all of these individuals. They were all welcome. You can search and search the Bible, and I challenge you to do this. Search and search the Bible for anyone trying to find Jesus, the baby Jesus, and being turned away from it. Yeah, you'll point to Herod, but Herod wasn't looking for peace. When someone comes looking for peace and they find it in Jesus, Jesus is always there to be found. The invitation of the angels is still there for you and I to take. The invitation to see for ourselves the peace and joy that come from finding Jesus with our own lives. Maybe you've been searching for a while. Maybe this Christmas your search could be over. Don't miss the opportunity for you to go to the manger tonight to look in and meet this Jesus, maybe for the first time. Don't miss it. The invitation's there. Come and see. Pray with me. Father, I hope that we can come and see you tonight. And then in finding you, we would find peace and we would find joy in our lives.
trend taking place in my house, and it's called a clogged DVR. And it's been happening ever since about mid-October. Okay, uh, you turn it on, and I'll try to find a recording the other night, and it said 88% full, which in my mind is like, what on earth are we recording? Usually it's like dozens and dozens of Paw Patrol, but as I investigate a little bit more, I noticed that all of these came from the Lifetime and Hallmark Channel. You know what I'm talking about? The Christmas movies, yes. And I wasn't going to point blame, but she decided to bring herself out to it. She's the one. Yeah, you think I'm watching those. You know the movies, they're all the same. They're the sappy ones, the love stories set in some weird town with the word river or snow in it. And one person, the plot's the same. One person comes back from the, the big city to address a problem, or their car breaks down, and they're stuck in Snowyton Riverville for a week. And they, and they run into that special someone, and they hit it off, and then they have a fallout, and then they reunite, and then the credits roll, and it all happens around Christmas Eve, Right? They, yeah, There's, the question isn't a matter of how and when they'll get together and fall in love. Uh, the, it's, it's when and how and how dramatic and how overacted the scene can be. And then the clincher, what's the grand gesture going to be? How are they going to get the attention? And there's a way to watch this for those of you who don't like these. There's a game. Within the first 10 minutes, you have to guess the plot, who falls in love, how, and what the backstory is. And if you're right, you get a point, and you get to fast-forward the entire movie. Okay? Yes, that's what you do. That's, that's the only way to go. Uh, will, and the question of will they live happy in this town, that's, that's what you're wanting to figure out. The answer's usually yes. Uh, and I think that's the draw to them. The draw to this is, is this person going to fall in love? Are they lovable? Uh, it's the guessing. It's the not knowing. It's the he loves me, she loves me not type of back and forth. For the movie plot, the not knowing if the other person feels the same is what makes it last 90 minutes. For some, this type of wondering if you're loved or not isn't something that happens on the Lifetime channel. This is something that happens in your lifetime. The question, am I loved, am I lovable? And if you've ever asked that question of yourself, if you're asking that question right now, I'll settle it with a resounding, yes, you are. And if it was a text message, it would be all caps with four exclamation marks behind it. Yes, you are. In fact, God answered that question long before you ever thought to ask it. He hung a star so the wise men can see. He sang a song so loudly that it woke up the shepherds and startled the sheep. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've come from. It doesn't matter how much money you make, whether where you live or what kind of car you drive. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO, the janitor, or the temp. He loves you. Before you walked across the room, before you spoke a word, before you said anything that impressed anyone, you were loved completely and wholly. In spite of your mistakes, in spite of the betrayal, in spite of the wrong decisions that each one of us have made, in spite of, in spite of the, the poor motives and that fuel your actions, instead of, in, in spite of the harsh words that touch the tip of your tongue, the ones that actually come out too. You were loved. You were loved beyond what you can comprehend, more than you can ever ask or imagine. More than that, nothing you could do, nothing you could ever have done, nothing you will ever do in the future will ever be able to break you from that love's grip. Paul talks about it this way. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, 
nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's pretty clear, right? I think Paul covers everything that can take you away from love, and he goes, that's not going to take it away from you. You're still loved, regardless of how you feel, regardless from what you've been told, and regardless from what you're telling yourself. But like the movies on my DVR, sometimes the main characters don't see all the sign, and so all the signs that they're loved. And so there has to be this thing to get your attention. There has to be the grand gesture. It always has to happen by the Christmas tree. There has to be something to say, oh, they actually do feel the same about me. Something extraordinary has to come and shake us away from our normal to let us know that we're loved. And do you know what God did? It's a famous verse. Here's how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And here's why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have whole and lasting life. If you were to list all that he'd left to be with you, you'd run out of room to write. From having the earth at his, at his, as his footrest to sleeping in a feeding trough, from speaking the world to existence to having to learn how to talk again, from walking on the golden streets of heaven to learning how to crawl. He did all of that just to be with you. To show us his love, he came to us. He loved us so much that he moved from heaven to earth just to be in the same neighborhood as you are. There's no place he'd rather be than near you, and he spent eternity trying If you've ever wondered how far his love would go, he showed us that too, because you're loved. He loved us so much that he would allow himself later to be beaten and hung on a cross and put put in a grave just to show you how much he loved you. And then he loved you so much after that, that he'd rise again to tell you again, I love you this much. True love gives itself sacrificially without holding anything back, without getting anything in return. That's what true love is. Anything that can happen in order to benefit the other. And we celebrate tonight because here on Christmas, God expressed his love for us by self-sacrificially coming to be with us so we would never have to be apart again. He loves you that much that he would be born in a manger. And he gives each one of us that light that he has that reminds us that he loves us this much. Greater love hath he than no man that he lay down his life for his friend. And this is what Jesus did. He broke through the interruptions of your life to tell you, I love you. Comes to us in the middle of our disruptions and says, I love you in the middle of those. Can't you see this? I love you. And then he says, I want to be with you forever. I love you. I never want to be apart from you. And tonight we have a chance to accept that love. If you've never had a chance to accept that love, that that, that can happen tonight. All it is is saying, Jesus, I accept the love. I accept you as my Savior. I want you to live in my heart. And guess what? You've accepted his love. It's that simple. 
And what a perfect night to do it. And when we do that, and if you had have done that, the light that is promised is in you in the form of the Holy Spirit who seals you and gives you and protects you. And it's all with you at this moment. So you become a light to the rest of the world, not just to show off how good looking you are, but how much God loves the people around us. And so tonight, it's the first, it's one of my favorite times. We all hold these candles and we all sing about this holy night. And what makes this night holy is the same thing of that love is. Christ came and expressed his love towards us. And love, when it is expressed, is one of the most holy things you and I can ever witness. Because it gives itself self-sacrificially for the other person. So if you'd stand up, hopefully you have a candle on your seat. We use real flame here at Bethany Ballard. Uh, sing along. I'll come light a few. We'll get rolling.
sing O Holy Night again. Would you just the voices here? O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin. Hope that our lives uh, don't have to be the same. Hope in knowing that we're loved. Hope in knowing that we're, you are with us and you'd move heaven and earth and travel through galaxies to be next to us. The thrill of hope. God, would you fill us with your hope tonight? Would you fill us with your love tonight? Would you fill us with your presence that like these candles can go out and light a dark world? with you. May we be emblems of peace and joy and hope because of what the shepherds found in the manger that night. In Jesus' name we pray.